Hello and welcome to the Super Freak Media Podcast with me, your host, John O'Butler. Um, I'm back again this month after a brief hiatus in which Charlie Clark filled in my uh, podcasty <laughs> shoes. <laughs> wondered wondering where that was going. <laughs> yeah, it could have got weird very quickly, but it didn't. I, got, I kind of I turned it around, it's fine. Um, it was a lovely episode last week, um, but it's oh, turned into... Oh, you said into, week again. It's oh, monthly. F- podcast John it's fine it's absolutely <laughs> fine I really tried to say month at the start and then uh, immediately said week literally three sentences after so yeah. that's fine good 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 effort good effort yeah I've, I've good effort peaked um, but yeah the, the episode last time was uh, obviously much more female heavy than this week we've immediately regressed and gone back to three blokes uh, so apologies um, <laughs> We're so progressive, aren't we? As so a team. progressive. Uh, <laughs> with me this month, I've got uh, regular contributor and super freak legend Liam Banks. I, w- I will take that title. Hello, everyone. Thank you. And making his podcast debut, it's Charlie Brentnell. What? Um, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. Charlie isn't here for the podcast. We've just, just ambushed him into this. Yeah, he he's definitely wants to be here. That's absolutely fine. Uh, this month, we are going to be talking about killer robots in movies. Uh, so it could be AI. It could be actual robotic creatures. It could be anything. And also, it gives us a wonderful opportunity to talk about a film that's come out recently with none other than yours truly Nicolas Cage called Willy's Wonderland which um, we've all seen and we've got lots to talk about regarding that um, before we crack on uh, Charlie being as it's your first time on the podcast oh no yep, get, get ready um, what got you into horror um, thinking back now um, it's probably Alien got me into it. I remember buying the DVD set, the box set, when I was probably 12, 13, and spending the entire week during the six weeks holidays with me and two of the mates, and we just binge-watched every Alien film <laughs> in the garage, like because we just <laughs> slept in the garage <laughs> for a week. <laughs> Were you okay as a child, Charlie, or is this... Um... <laughs> Just bringing back memories. I don't or... want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> so, apart from obvious questions about why you were forced to sleep in a garage, um, what what was it about Alien that that kind of hooked you? I think I was quite into sort of sci-fi as a kid, and I, as every probably eight-year-old boy onwards is like into space. You were eight when you watched Alien for the first time. Oh no, 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 no. Oh, but okay. I mean, like. Younger boys are just interested in space most of the time, right? Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's a, a kind of thing that we all go through. A rite of passage. Yeah. That and dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah. D- oh, dinosaurs? Yeah, <laughs> I've got loads of books on dinosaurs as well. God. Um, <laughs> well, you still have them. Yeah, I still have them. <laughs> That's amazing. That's, I think I've passed so cool. a few on to my nephew, but we digress. Um, but I was, I was interested in watching it just because of like the whole space theme and aliens in general and spaceships and blasters and all that um so i watched that i would try and avoid all horror when i was younger so you guys have all watched like nightmare on elm street halloween mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff oh john i'm not okay i will speak for myself and say that i have not watched them <laughs> <laughs> um, but i think just watching alien just was was it was what got me into it just because of the the space theme but then when i was watching it it was like i guess just the suspense of like the darkness all the time and because you're out in space and there's this feeling of not having anybody to really talk to and connect with and um Mm -hmm. that whole isolation kind of feeling yeah while you're trapped within your own space no pun intended um (laughs) I think it's like a like cat and very, mouse kind of thing. I think sci-fi is a very adjacent like genre to horror. Anyway, I think it is kind of a bit of a gateway, and I'm sure somewhere um, Alien is described as like a haunted house in space, it's, like the whole premise of it. It's and it is, a yeah, movie, isn't it? 
A hundred percent. It's got so yeah. many elements of horror uh, mixed in there. So mm, I can see how you'd you'd get into it via via Alien. Yeah, it's uh, like killer, is it Killer in the House? Is like the genre? Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, just a killer that has acid for blood and and a weird tongue. But yeah. yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, why yeah. not? <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> This is kind of an interesting kind of segue into uh, the meat and potatoes of today's episode. But with the (laughs) Alien films, um, there's such a difference between Alien 1, for example, and then Alien 2. Uh, And I wanted Mm. to then kind of... my, my, My link to the actual point of the podcast is that Terminator, which is probably one of the most famous kind of killer robot films for want of a better explanation the difference mm-hmm. between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 is mm-hmm. you know night and day um, yeah I think we're also forgetting the fact that killer robots are still very much a thing in Alien as yes, in like the androids yes, yes. and I mean yeah. with even with the Alien Isolation game like I would dare say that I think the androids scared me more playing that than the than the actual creature did uh, for the most part. Um, but yeah, I, I think you don't go into it knowing it's a killer robot film. You go into it thinking it's an alien film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ian, Ian Holm in the first alien film, yep. I think um, absolutely knocked it out of the park. Like when he's like headless gurgling blood and he, he like, he's like tried to kill Ripley. It's, it's harrowing. Yeah. It's awful. With the magazine. Yeah. It's, yeah. When he's, magazine. It's yeah, it's dreadful. I, I don't think I've really seen much like it since. Like that film packs a punch in so many different ways. It's uh, yeah, brilliant example. But yeah, uh, going back to um, Jono's hard on for James Cameron. But oh yeah, <laughs> James James Cameron, who has recently regained the crown for the highest grossing film worldwide. By the way, Cameron, yeah, Cameron. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I am I am kind of happy about that because I do. I don't know. There's something about the fact that the Marvel films were kind of taking all the prizes that was yeah getting to me. Uh, I wanted it to be like something original, um, and I don't know. So yeah, I'm excited for Avatar two. I think that's going to be interesting. Is that at a point where it's nearly done now? Because it seems to have been in development for a long time. I think they've mocapped like a lot of the stuff. I think they were supposed to be releasing Christmas of this year, but I think they pushed it back a year. Oh, again. Okay because of uh covid but um mm, i think this one's going underwater so Ooh. it could be interesting um but yeah uh should be good fun yeah i mean an interesting to look at which i think all of james cameron's films are mm-hmm. well here's a question for you guys do you prefer alien or aliens because uh, i think that's a bit of a debate for for film fans Hmm. So for me personally, uh, I just like the kind of the relative simplicity of Alien mm-hmm. over Aliens. Um, just that because, it, and, it, and it and it looks. This is what surprised we we went to see it uh, not so long ago at the cinema at one of the kind of revival events, and it surprised mm-hmm. me at how good it still looked. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm going to go for Alien. What about you, Charlie? I think I have to stick with Alien as well. Yeah, I think it's just I've watched that one so much more, mm. um, and it's the go-to for me. Mm. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think I'd go with Aliens. I think I like the fact that it's bigger and and better. And I don't know. I just don't think you can beat that ending with when she's uh, wearing the kind of mecha suit. Yeah, and she's like, "Get away from her, you bitch!" I just, yeah, just. Yeah. Live for moments like that in film. Fair play. Uh, I, I, I get you. I get you. I think they they both have um, winning qualities. Definitely, definitely. And I think that was um, kind of my point with with Terminator One and Terminator Two uh, mm-hmm. was that the first film is you, you know it, it's kind of like a similarly to Alien, a bit of kind of like a stalk and slash vibe at times, especially that uh, mm. sequence where. The Terminator's crawling through all the pipework in stop motion. Um, yeah. Which looks a little bit kind of janky nowadays, but I imagine was truly terrifying. 
back. It has a, a charm to it, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, but it's such a cool way of doing it. It's um, and then Terminator Two then pushed the boundaries and was like the first film really to go, you know, pardon the expression, balls deep into CGI, um, <laughs> and that looks incredible now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was like one of the things that I didn't get with the Jurassic World kind of um, films. Like, I don't think Fallen Kingdom necessarily, but Jurassic World, I thought, looked atrocious compared to the original Jurassic Park. Yeah. And I'm like, how can CGI decades later look this hokey? But I think it's because they were limited. Um, they had to shoot it in, like, low light. There was It was very dramatic lighting. It was, That's it. It, it, it was all considered, whereas now it's like, oh, well, we'll just... We'll just pop a dinosaur in or whatever. Yeah, so uh, like originally it was, are we going to see the T-Rex? We're going to see it at night. It's going to be illuminated by lightning and it's going to be really shadowy and it's going to look absolutely <laughs> legit because they, as you say, they really thought about how they were going to shoot it and maximise how good it was going to look. Yeah. Whereas now, because mm. things can look photorealistic, mm. almost, um, yeah. they can just sort of sometimes plonk them into a scene not worry about yeah. how it's particularly lit and it just looks like a CG dinosaur that's just been mm. slung in afterwards I think it's the loss of mix of like practical effects as well and I suppose mm. that's something we can probably talk about when we're talking about some of the other films in our killer robot kind of list um, I think that mix you kind of need that because especially when there's humans interacting with whatever it is if it's a creature a robot in the case that we're talking about or other things i think you need that interaction between someone um, yeah. and the actual object um just to ground it almost yeah so uh, i think that's when you lose the the scare factor i think i was watching uh an episode of the uh corridor digital kind of uh corridor crew vfx artists react the other week yes uh, yeah. and there was one which was uh, happened to talk about robocop which Yes. Um, they spoke about how they filmed the scene where the, the the giant robot kind of bursts into the office and starts shooting the place up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the way they did it was really ingenious, so that the robot itself was uh, a model. Um, so mm-hmm. it was all stop motion. And then they actually projected the image of the scene behind the robot and mm-hmm. then had to work out how to move the robot um, so that it would match up with how the camera was looking in the scene. It was incredible. And that, and that sort mm. of time uh, and effort that goes into the shot yeah. really kind of stands out on screen. You look at it today and you sort of go, oh, well, that's obviously mm. not real, but it looks grounded. Mm. It's got weight to it. it it's All the yeah. lighting kind of fits. Well, that's it. It's in situ, isn't it? And it mm. does look like it's there. I think the only thing that's janky about it is the animation. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like, where where do you draw the line? Where's the negatives and the positives? You've got positives in animation, but maybe with CG, because a computer can iron out those kinks. Um, but even then, when you look at, obviously, films like Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline and all of that, they're pushing stop-motion animation to the limits, aren't oh, yeah. they? And yeah. making it an art form. Because uh, so, the two strings as well. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's... it's, it's it's weird. Uh, but I do think stop motion animation does work well for uh, those sorts of creatures because I think mechanically, uh, killer robots and all that sort of jazz, they have that junky nature to them anyway, don't they? Yeah, you don't necessarily need to be smooth and flowing if you're a, mm. a killer robot. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that wasn't quote, even weird. Quote of the podcast smooth and flowing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have we all sort of bought, um, for want of a better phrase again, a killer robot film uh, uh, to the table? Uh, well, I think we've we've all seen some through the years, yeah. and that's for sure. Um, and we all watched Willy's Wonderland together, which we was did. an experience. We will um, talk about in a little while. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, but what about you, Jono? What, what's, your, right. what's your go-to killer robot film, would you say? So... <sighs> I, I thought about this initially and I was thinking Terminator all the way um, yeah. but I then got thinking about it and I got thinking about an episode of um, the kind of the reboot of X-Files that came out a few years ago uh, mm-hmm. so this was an episode from 2018 which has a, a really bizarre title which I think is all letters and numbers um, 
and it's all about killer artificial intelligence so it's it's things in everyday life that have gone rogue mm-hmm. uh, so the episode starts off with uh, a chatbot which is designed to be artificially intelligent it will learn from inputs from users uh, but then predictably this all goes horribly wrong and it starts being vile it's horrible it it becomes extremist uh, and that's just kind of in the in the opening credits um mm-hmm. and that actually is really similar to what happened i think it was amazon they came up with an idea for an ai that the, the idea mm-hmm. was it was on twitter you could tweet to it you could converse with it and it would learn and it would pick up what people did so yeah. the more people spoke to it the more it would advance and the more kind of responses it would get and the more thoughts in inverted commas it would be able to convey uh, they had yeah. to shut it down within a day because after a day it was spouting anti-semitic things it was being racist it was calling for hitler to come back because yes yeah. these things are as intelligent as the people who make them you know yeah. make them that's the thing if it, obviously people were doing it to troll uh, you don't know how serious people were but then all of a sudden this thing is spouting off horrendous things uh, mm-hmm. and that was on Twitter so inherently apart from the fact that it was out there in the public domain mm-hmm. not massively dangerous but you know imagine if that's a, a robot that's patrolling the streets with a weapon or yeah. something you can see how these things can uh, go horribly yeah. wrong but yeah um this x-files episode it then kind of goes on to a sushi restaurant where Mulder and scully are sat eating sushi uh the order goes wrong and they refuse basically to to pay um mm-hmm. and the robots don't like this the <laughs> the sushi robots are not a fan um off they go they go home one of them gets into uh, a car so it's like an updated uber um yeah so instead of being driven it's actually fully automated um so you can imagine that getting into a car which you have no idea really <laughs> uh where you're going to end up you've got to put your trust completely in the robots um and then it, it sort of snowballs from there it gets to the point where uh a glass is smashed inside uh, Scully's house I think it is um, and uh, a robot vacuum cleaner is sent and she thinks oh this is a nice gift Um, we'll set it going and this robot vacuum cleaner basically ends up trying to blow up the house with her inside it Um, (laughs) classic X-Files classic (laughs) X-Files right Um, but it's sort of the whole, and then there's all oh, there's drones involved. It all just goes absolutely mental mm. towards the end. There's no dialogue in this episode, by the way. There's very very little dialogue. All that Mulder and Scully do, uh, they converse with each other via apps, or they'll text each other, or they'll. Um, and it's, I guess, the whole point of the episode is, is how reliant we're getting on technology, and how if we're not careful, if we get too reliant on it, um, mm. who knows what could happen. So the kind of the, the end yeah. of the episode is is them sat in a restaurant, which is the total opposite of the restaurant at the start of the film. It's got yeah. humans behind the counter. There's people serving. Um, there's no robots in sight. They pay with cash, not with a credit card. And then they both kind of put their smartphones down on the table and hold hands, which is cheesy oh. as anything, but <laughs> it sort of you yeah. know hits home that the wait a minute, what what's important? Uh, yeah. Is it things being made ridiculously easy, or mm. you know, should some things kind of stay out of robot hands? Um, but yeah, I thought I do, that was a really interesting episode. I do like it when I think a lot of things that are out there, particularly with technology, they do have that kind of moral message where they hold the mirror up and say, "Well, like you said, um, these things they turn a certain way or go a certain way because of how we are as a species." It's yeah. It, I mean, if if any anyone out of like humanity was to just look at us and study us, there would be so much wrong, yeah. like with with the things that go on in this world. So, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I mean, just you, you obviously mentioned a few things on the episode, like 
it's actually scary though the fact that these things are actually becoming like real like um yeah automated cars uh drones are like everywhere i know i've already seen so many things where that amazon are talking about drone drop-offs and all of that now well and this was a thing the um the robot crazy. vacuum cleaner was delivered by a drone in the episode and i was thinking for that's that's mental yeah um, yeah, but it, it's not. I think, like, within a decade, I think we will be used to just looking up and seeing, like, packages yeah. going over people's fences yeah. and, and all of that sort of stuff. And you'll get in an Uber and there'll be no one there. It'll just be yeah, just, just the steering wheel moving on its own. And this is the um, thing. So Im- imagine if you were in that, that position and you'd got in the taxi, uh, the automated taxi, and you couldn't pay. Then mm-hmm. what happens? Yeah, you, you know, think... you can reason with a person, you can explain with a person, but you get to the other end and you've got to swipe your smartphone or you've got to use your chip and pin. And you haven't got it. Yeah. Always. I think that's that's it, isn't it? There'll always be flaws in the system if you're removing that element of actual human contact uh, wherever. I mean, I'm I'm even like loath to use um, self-service at like supermarkets sometimes. Because I just like someone just to scan my shopping and <laughs> to actually have that conversation. Um, but I don't know. Um, there, I mean, snowballing onto that, there, there is another great episode of, of X Files. I don't know if either of you have seen the earlier series. Um, I think it's season two. Uh, there's an episode called Blood, and it's not necessarily about killer robots or machines. Uh, well, it's more about machines, uh, and essentially, this guy keeps seeing on like. Um, LED screens, so you know, like at checkouts and um, on like timetables on a screen. Yeah, he kind of keeps seeing uh, kill them all, kind of flick up, and it's this idea of like if he's being exposed to it enough, he's then going to commit these crimes. Um, and there's obviously like this whole theory in the episode, like who's doing this and is it an experiment? Are they trying to break this guy down? Um, but I think things like that are, are very very scary it's not necessarily the machines that are the problem it's people behind them maybe using them to control people in some way yeah i think that's that's always something that's worried me um as a possibility yeah so you've always you've always got to rely haven't you that the people that control the machines are actually doing it for the right reasons um Mm -hmm. because it could be very easy for you can see it now with with companies like Amazon and Google how much power mm-hmm. they have over people I guess because they are just so yeah. vast you use Google every day absolutely um, absolutely if they could suddenly go rogue and start bleeding things into the code that shouldn't be there and subliminal messages <laughs> here and there you know it's it's crazy I mean, do any of you guys have like Amazon Echoes or Google Homes or anything like that at your places? Um, or um, we we got one for Christmas, me and Laura, and we haven't yet set it up. <laughs> but I don't know if that's just because we're living in shared accommodation right now. But we did have one in the house. Like our housemate has one. Um, I know my brother has one at his house, like with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but we always joked with him that like it was always listening to him. Yeah, so I... I mean, that's it, yeah. We have one. We had one, we got one for Christmas this year, and <laughs> it's something that, I don't know, originally I was like, why would I ever want one of these? Um, yeah. I have no need for one of these. But I'm, I'm really enjoying having it. Um, we've yeah. got it connected to, like, one light in the house, so we can turn the living room light off with it. Um, yeah. I can play a podcast when I want to. Um, I... I've also made it whisper, which is quite creepy. So that when, <laughs> when I whisper, Hello. yeah, it's great. When I whisper to her, she whispers back, which is wonderful. Uh, although this That's is this, this is strange. That um, so I set it to to the whisper mode, um, and I was like, Alexa, turn the living room light off, right? And she went, okay, right, which was creepy enough. The light goes off, and then I jokingly went thanks and she went anytime no which i was like oh that, that's where it's crossing the line that's isn't a it? bit much um <laughs> but yeah I, I, it's when you say this thing about oh well, maybe it's always listening and then you go on your phone and then you've been talking about holidays to spain and then your phone's recommending you've them got to the you. you're like oh yeah. 
literally they yeah. it's happening all of the time it's it's absolutely unreal um, it's happened uh, and I mean, technically, they do have to listen all the time because they're waiting for you to like say the the words "Hey Alexa" or "Hey Hey Google" or whatever, yeah. aren't they? So it's yeah. it's yeah. That's the uh, thing, isn't it? Because they say, "Oh, we're not listening all the time. Don't worry about it." But by default, you have to are. listen all the time because <laughs> if you don't listen all the time, you won't hear us say the yeah. keyword. Um, I mean, you, you've got to think about it, like. Um, when will that line be crossed? Obviously, I suppose it's going into more like government territory, but for people to be able to tap into that sort of thing to then uh, prevent crime, and I say that kind of like with the the inverted fingers, like saying, yeah. well, because I mean, technically, obviously, it's kind of like minority report territory, isn't it? Like saying, yeah, we're going to prosecute you for something you've not yet done, but yeah, well, um, I, I don't know. It's it, it, it reminds it, me it, of the scene in the Simpsons movie when uh, Marge and the kids are on the train when Homer's like gone off on his own and they're, they're getting listened to on the train there's like a CIA agent is like I got him I got him and like runs <laughs> off and goes and gets somebody <laughs> it's yeah it's, it, it's scary and I mean you've got these companies though but they're like there's just like a few key players now isn't there there's, there's Amazon Google Facebook I think yeah. uh, it was only two days ago I think Instagram WhatsApp and Facebook all went down for like a period of time and you're like well there's the sense of having one company own yeah three of the biggest social network like sites and people and I think everyone themselves. just went to yeah I, well i mean i noticed it and i i think i i um i i literally then went from one to the other to then check if that was down yeah. <laughs> everyone was just on twitter like when you come to twitter and check that instagram and facebook <laughs> like, okay great it's not just me um, but yeah, it's it's a weird world we live in. If you think about how it was like even ten years ago, um, it's yeah, yeah it's crazy. Very, how things very strange, you, very strange. That little chat there that we've just had rem- uh, reminded me of a film, uh, I Robot with Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was um, going to talk about this as well. With, oh, um, well, no, no, not like not. Wasn't my <laughs> option. Wasn't my option. But I was going to bring it up at mm. some point. Pissed um, on Charlie's cornflakes there, didn't my you? My God. He's <laughs> taken him out and stamped on him. It's his first episode, Jono. <laughs> <laughs> no, Go on, Jono. Make your point. Go on. No, oh. uh, my point was that it, it, it brings up that question of can the robot be held responsible mm-hmm. um, for the crime? Like, does it have thought? You know, is it capable of making that decision? Uh and I guess in the, in the film, the idea is that it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it shouldn't it's be capable. It? It's the programming that's done it. Um, yeah. The issue becomes uh, when the robots learn to program themselves, which I, for one, can't <laughs> wait for. <laughs> Just bombs raining down everywhere. Yeah. And it will take over. That's <laughs> it, yeah. I think that's it. When... when Robots and machines become intelligent enough to see that we're probably the biggest threat to this planet than anything else. That's yeah. and we need to worry. Well, that's the thing, isn't true. it? <laughs> if, if you're a bit woolly with what you say and you kind of say that we want the planet to thrive and survive and that's what you program into a robot and they look at it and go, yeah, human or vermin will get rid. Then the planet yeah. can thrive and survive and there's just little yeah. robots. You like stood downstairs with your butler robot and you've gone, right, I need to go. See you later. You spray some deodorant under your arms. It's like, Ozone killer, get him. Yeah, <laughs> then he absolutely murders you. Just shoots the deodorant can and blows up the house. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Amazing. Um, Logical. Well, talking about robots that uh, are programmed to protect, um, oh. I lovely segue there. I um, decided to watch a film called Chopping Mall mm-hmm. before we recorded this podcast, and. Um, I don't know why I've not seen it because it it just looks like one of those films that I just love um, because it's just very 80s and it has great people in it. Um, I think it's 1986 the film came out. Um, And I think the film is a classic case of, I don't know if the poster art was made before the film even had a script (laughs) or if the poster art was just made separately from the film being made or what. But... It's essentially like the the poster is like one of the most eye catching things. It's this uh, robotic hand holding a shopping bag with like body parts spilling out of it. So and it's just right before you carry yeah. on, then Liam. Yeah, Charlie and I haven't seen this film. Yeah. So, are we okay to guess what it's about? 
given the fact that we know what the poster looks like and we know the title okay well yeah let, let, I'll, I'll explain the poster then to you right. um, and then you just um you just tell me what you think this this film would be about so yeah it's it's a robotic hand there's like a red paper bag uh chopping more like in bloody red letters there's like an eyeball a hand i think a foot kind of spilling out of it there's a woman screaming inside the bag so she's obviously headless um and the tagline is buy or die um so Make or, of that or, way or where shopping costs you an arm or a leg <laughs> see what they did there oh. so yeah you, well. you, tell, you tell me what you think this film would be about and then I'll, i will tell you what the film is about go on charlie <laughs> what, what do you get from that um you segued off of, pe- of robots protecting people didn't you uh, yeah, but we can forget that bit if you want. <laughs> okay, I'll forget, I'll forget that bit. I'll forget that bit. It's entirely up to you. you, you well, I was going to say it was like potentially robots that have been designed to be in a shopping mall that are acting as sort of shopping mall police. But then you say buy or die, so then it makes me think if you're here to shop, if you're here, you're here to shop, and if you don't shop, you have to buy something this whole commercialism idea and if you don't buy something you will lose an arm or a leg or you'll just die you get chopped up and shipped on your way to some other place okay okay interesting interesting what about you Jono so kind of down Charlie's vibe that this mall is staffed by robots um, and it basically just descends into some form of slasher film um where the main characters are picked off one by one by killer robots. That's it's okay. got to be. Okay. Okay. Um both of you have some elements correct. So I'll give you that. Um but essentially uh what the film is about um is we start off the film with this incredibly cheesy commercial uh, for these these robots they're called protectors. Uh, and they kind of look just like shit Daleks, basically. Um, <laughs> and what their job is, is that when the mall closes at the end of the day, they are set to patrol the robot. So be uh, set to patrol the mall, sorry, not the robot, set to patrol the mall like security guards. So they go around essentially making sure there's no, no like robbery or no one's breaking in and, and all of this. Um, and they have kind of like things like tasers and dart guns and, and all of these things that they, they can use. Now, from the poster and kind of what you both kind of said is you'd expect people get chopped up in this film. Cool. Also the title, Chopping Mall. Um, that doesn't happen pretty much at all. Um, essentially, the, this, this new mall um, gets struck by lightning so (laughs) makes sense that basically just fries the electronics of these things so there's three of them there's like one for each floor um and uh, a group of the people who work at the uh mall decide to stay back in a furniture shop and basically just have sex on all the furniture and just be teenagers of the 80s and these things are obviously patrolling the mall that night. Now, the robots are supposed to show people uh, their IDs, like people can show them their IDs and be safe. And essentially that just doesn't work. And these robots just end up then killing people because they, they've they gone gone rogue. Um, but it's just kind of dreadful. And you can just tell that, I don't know, the, the film just doesn't really know what it wants to be. I think it's described as like a comedy sci-fi horror. Oh. Um, and it has elements of all of those things. But I mean, I found it quite funny because when the robots do kill people, they then say, have a nice day. And then they just like wheel off. <laughs> it's it's the fact that they look like something out of Robot Wars. Um, uh, and they just, <laughs> I think that there is, there's one death, which is really cool. Like they shoot these lasers, which again, is just so far out there. It's unreal, but they shoot these lasers and just basically blow up the blonde who's just really dumb and she's just screaming and her whole head just explodes which is probably the close that we get closest we get to someone being chopped up oh but other than that it's just really not not the one no it's a shame 
because it promises so much it really does like the poster is absolutely amazing and i do think it's probably a film that would be ripe for a remake considering we have so much technology these days now like i i don't know like there's nothing about them hacking into like cctv or doing anything like that or them being more intelligent than just being these dustbins on wheels that can kind of kill people Mm. and i think what's hilarious as well is that they have these like pincers that look like you know the the things that people use to pick up like trash yeah they kind of look like this uh, and they they basically choke people with them which is just i mean imagining people filming these scenes would have been hilarious um but i think even when i've seen interviews of some of the cast members that when they've spoken about it they've all kind of said it was just one of the worst experiences ever like the film was not what they thought it would be right they were filming everything at night when this actual shopping mall was closed and it was just <laughs> i don't know i think it's it's definitely a film that's like a cult favorite as opposed to it being a yeah a, a good film let's say so or, yeah <laughs> so what you're trying to say is that we definitely need to get the rights to this. I I, I think so, um, because I think... I, I, I don't know, have either of you guys seen the Child's Play remake, the, the most recent one? Not seen the new one. No. So there is a whole thing, obviously, with that, with that they could use the name Child's Play, but the whole kind of premise of the doll being a killer doll had to be different. So they couldn't have like him being possessed by a voodoo curse and with the serial killer's soul. It couldn't be that. So the route that they took was that it was AI. So essentially uh. he's he's called a buddy and he's like this thing that, like you said, Jono, with the X-Files episode, he takes things in and then kind of uh, acts upon them. Um, and I mean, that had some like really good moments in it. I don't think it was a, a great kind of reboot, remake, whatever it was, um, but it did definitely utilise the AI side of things. And I mean, there is a scene where the kids are watching like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre far too young and you can see this doll like absorbing it just and taking then... it all in exactly um, and I mean not to give too much away but towards the end of that it really taps into I think where it had potential of um, basically this one doll kind of feeding into all of these other products that this company owns so there's like drones there's other dolls there's like all these smart devices and it's basically just carnage. And I think that's very much what a new chopping mall film could be now. If, I, I don't know, I, I think personally, it would be a, a really awesome film to watch that's... if they took out some of the silly stuff. So interesting that you're talking about the, the remake of Child's Play, that it, it sort of, mm-hmm. they changed it so that this doll was mm-hmm. taking in what's around him, like consuming the kind of the media that was around him and becoming evil mm. when mm-hmm. the original child's play was mm-hmm. cited as being you know the, a film that potentially motivated the killers in the you know the james Baldry case yeah i mean That's i think there was war. definitely some there, yeah it was very eerie like the parallels of it um just because yeah that that was something um that yeah i was obviously quite aware of studying horror a lot in the past that that, I think Child's Play, I think it was the cover art, wasn't it, of like yeah. Child's Play 2 or something, was literally bought up in court as saying these sorts of things are why kids are doing what they're doing yeah. today. Um, and I don't know, I suppose that's a moral debate for another day, but it's. It, it, I do think it was a very smart move. I just think the execution was a little, little off. And I think when you've got such a well-established character and franchise, it's difficult oh, yeah. to do to do your own thing. Um, but I definitely advise you to check it out. I think that's definitely good fun. Sweet. Um, and another killer machine, so... Happy days. <laughs> Slipping that one in there. Um, You're so, welcome. So have you given us your choice yet, Liam, or have you still got that to come? Uh, I, I would say that that's my choice. My choice. The, the thing that I wanted to talk about would have been uh, Chopping Mall, just because I was like, I want to watch it fresh and give my honest opinion. Yeah. Uh, I think you guys should, should definitely check it out. Um, I'm ready to be disappointed. Yeah, I think if you kind of go into it, I, I, I mean, I've obviously given a little bit away, but just don't expect too much. That's okay. all I'd say. <laughs> so, Charlie, have you got something to bring to the table, which is killer machine slash robot slash technology slash AI oriented? Yes, I do. <laughs> I do indeed. Um, it's not quite horror, but it's um, 
an episode of Black Mirror. Ooh. Um, the episode Hated in the Nation. Yeah. Um, where they have the... Where we're living in a world where bees have become near extinct and they have these um, autonomous drone insects that have replaced them. Um, but it it's those killer robots that are like being... Con- I don't know how much I can say without spoiling anything for people who haven't watched it yet. So, spoiler alert going forward. Um, but somebody else is controlling these insects to kill people who have who are, have been judged to have done wrong and online so on twitter and social media they they play this game people play this game where they do hashtag death to and then say the person's name and it tallies up all the votes and the person at the end of the day who has the highest votes gets killed by one of these autonomous drones that's being controlled by somebody else um and then so we have a few cases where we have an inspector who's going out finding these bodies and trying to find the case and then they do um an mri scan on one of the victims and to try and find out what happens and this little metal b like comes out of his eye and sticks to the magnet so they find out that that was what was killing people and then Later on, they find out who it is that's running um, this game and killing these people with these drones. And a lot more people start doing hashtag death to that person. And then later on, when they decide to shut down um, the entire system, it gets overridden by him. And anybody that has then used hashtag death to is killed. So it's like a big reverse of... We play this game, but people who play the game are the ones who end up wind up dead. So it's like it's kill a robot controlled by a human while also having this message about be careful about what you say on the internet, mm-hmm. which is sort of springboarding from what we've been talking about for the last 15 minutes or so. Yeah, so that, that really brings us back to the who's behind the technology, doesn't it? Yeah, the, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's one rule for them and another for the people who actually control it. Absolutely. I think as well, the key thing is social media, though, as well, isn't it? It's like that's such a common thing now, which is such a horrible thing. The fact that people do like literally wish death on each other online and there isn't necessarily consequences for it. Um, There's a scene that just shows you how easy it is to put something like that on the Internet. So one of the people involved in the investigation when they find out who it is, um, he goes onto his phone, he swipes down his timeline, he puts hashtag death to, and then puts that person's name. And he's like hesitating about pressing it. Yeah. Clicks it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then sort of puts it back in his pocket, doesn't think anything of it. They go off to try and continue their investigation. They find out who's on the, who's next on the hit list. They try yeah. to protect that person. Um, they ultimately fail with that and then it, the next sort of thing is like right we need to shut down the whole system mm. um it also and they were searching sorry they were searching like people's names on the list so he yeah. then turns around to them and says type in my name or yeah. i can't remember if he typed his name himself now um and she, the lead inspector turns around to him and she's like when did you do this yeah and then, like, when the whole system gets shut down and then everybody's been targeted, they know what's coming. And there's, like, this horrible moment where you see a primary school teacher who you know yeah. has used the hashtag death to earlier in the episode. Yeah. Who is, like, teaching children. And then the kids look out the window and there's, like, a swarm of autonomous drones, like, coming towards the school. It's, like, it's terrifying. I think it's a really harrowing episode. Like, I can remember watching it. And, I mean, I don't know um, if you guys know, but bees and wasps are probably, like, one of my biggest phobias anyway. So the fact that they were literally, like, able to kill people by getting in their brains was yeah. just not not the one for me. It was dreadful. Um, but, yeah, no, that's that's a killer choice. That's a great that's, choice. That was, yeah, it also, great episode. also plays into the whole anonymity online thing doesn't it where people say mm-hmm. things online because they're hiding behind a desk they're hiding behind a keyboard they think well it doesn't really Absolutely. matter because I'm saying it online and this yeah. has real world consequences mm. Mm. 
I think those are the sorts of stories that really make us actually think about stuff. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, on the face of it, even when we were like talking about doing this episode and doing like killer robots, you think it's really silly, but then actually as sitting down and some of the examples we've gone through, it's, it's actually like, it's deep moral stuff there, I think, which is quite interesting. Yeah, definitely. But going completely away from that, we'll talk about Willy's Wonderland yeah. later. Um, <laughs> you say later, Liam, but I can... Uh... Sorry, there's a small scratching noise again. Oh, you need to get this looked at. One sec, it's probably going to... It's not one of those drones, is it? Probably. Oh, it's going <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to... Yeah, this part of the podcast might have to be redone because it's just too late. Do you reckon the people at home can hear it? I think they might be able to. One sec, let me just... No, it is, it is, Liam. It is. It's Nicolas Cage. (laughs) He's in the room. He's in the corner. (laughs) He's in the corner. Hello, Nicholas. (laughs) In fact, I'd argue that he's not just in the corner. I'd say he's taking up the whole space this month. What? He's just filled the room. He's filled the room. (laughs) He's filled the room. Because... It's not just a cage corner this month. We've got a whole no. cage segment because we're going to be talking about the absolute modern classic that is Willy's Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> um, we watched this uh, about two weeks ago, didn't we? Um, yes. On a group watch Discord thing for Liam's birthday, which worked surprisingly well. Um, yeah. It's like literally the best present ever, so thank you guys. <laughs> and I've been looking forward to this film for a long time, ever since <laughs> ever since it's been called, be called Wally's Wonderland, so I'm like an OG. Um, and then they changed it to Willy's, which obviously made me giggle like a, a small child. <laughs> um, so for those of you Willy. don't... <laughs> Willy Bum Bum. Uh, <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Willy's Wonderland is uh, the Nicolas Cage starring janitor in a theme park slash child's play area animatronic death fest film that you just you didn't know you needed, but you've definitely now got. Um, yeah. The trailer came out probably about a well the, the 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 initial kind of buzz started around about a year ago. Um, and then the trailer came out the teaser trailer came out before Christmas um, (laughs) and everyone was kind of drawing comparisons with Five Nights at Freddy's uh, it's animatronics um, and then the full trailer came out and it was everything that I wanted Um, Mm -hmm. it confirmed to me what the film was going to be like um, which was obviously uh, violent it had Nicolas Cage screaming in it yeah. There was just what appeared to be ridiculous set pieces. I was all <laughs> over it. Uh, and then it came out, it went straight to streaming, which is perfect. I would have loved to have seen it on the big screen, but mm-hmm. I think the little well, watch party part we the, had was nice. Part of the reason it was delayed, though, was so that it actually could go to cinemas, I think, in the US. So ah. I did think that was kind of cool, like that they believed in such a project enough to go, do you know what? People are going to pay tickets to see this. This is what's going to relaunch cinema. Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, yeah. Justice League what? Like, no. Willy's Wonderland is uh, is what we need. Um, But, yeah. Um, So, I, for one, really enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I thought the the practical effects were fantastic. I thought it was... It didn't outstay its welcome... Uh, mm-hmm. I thought the performances generally were pretty decent. Um, it, it, it is what it is. It did exactly <laughs> what it said on the tin. It did not disappoint me. Uh, I don't know what anyone else thought. I would tend to agree. Yes. It's, um, I, I also thoroughly enjoyed it, but it was ex- it knew exactly what it was doing and it, who it was playing to. Mm-hmm. I think we were speaking about how Cage is being casted in roles that only amplify his cult status now and yeah i think because of that it was a really solid piece in its own right it probably didn't have the most gripping story throughout it but it was playing into its own of it had a vibe of an 80s slasher 
but mm-hmm. almost reversed. Yeah. Yeah. There's a line in the film, isn't there, where they say that he's not locked in here with them, they're locked in here with him. Uh, <laughs> where yes. he totally turns the tables. Yeah, he just goes full throttle Nick Cage, doesn't he? Yeah. When he's not on his break. <laughs> yes. Very important he, to have regular he just breaks. Take regular breaks, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that. I personally just thought that was probably one of the best bits about the whole thing. Um yeah, I think it was it was very it was very interesting. Um I'm not too sure that it would have been as successful had it not had Nicolas Cage involved. Because I think that was kind of part of what was fundamental to it. Was I, yeah. watching him deal with this situation as opposed to I don't know anyone else and also <laughs> deal with the situation completely devoid of any dialogue from him yeah I mean well that was a big thing uh, I didn't know whether or not we were going to spoil that but yeah we're apparently we are so uh, you, you welcome everyone um, but yeah the whole film goes without saying anything um, it is kind of very impressive that he did that well, I'm not going to lie it's it's a ballsy move, A, from <laughs> his perspective to take on a role like that, and B, from the filmmaker's perspective, who have got Nicolas Cage in their film, and they've chosen not to give him dialogue. Do you reckon that that wasn't the case, and then they just, the budget ran out with the sound guy, so they were like, sorry, Nick, we're going to have to cut all of your lines. <laughs> like, he probably had a monologue in there yeah. somewhere. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I like to think that that was while he's playing pinball. Where he, <laughs> he wasn't playing pinball. He was doing things to that pinball machine. That's he not... was gyrating yeah. for for everyone, wasn't he? Was he was even dancing about it at one point, which <laughs> was amazing. Again, something I didn't know I needed to say, but Nicolas Cage dancing is is. I mean, that on its own should probably be the tagline. Yeah. If you want to see Nicolas Cage dance, watch this film. Watch this film. I think um, it had an air of uh, mum and dad about it mm-hmm. um, in that kind of... I know mum and dad was kind of slow at the start and then went like 100 miles an hour in the second half. Yeah. It, this was kind of 100 miles an hour from the get-go. Um, yeah. It I think take its time mm. to get into the animatronic death. Yeah, I think if it had... I think we would have been disappointed because I mean, pretty much yeah. from the the trailer, the market. I mean, the marketing, all the posters were like of the the robots. Like that was a mm-hmm. big was a big thing. But I don't know if you guys know there is actually a chain of of restaurants in America. I think called Chuck E. Cheese. Yes, I believe it is, yeah, yeah. and they legit have these robots there, which I just find so weird. Like, can you imagine us going to like? Because I suppose they're kind of like a not McDonald's. But like a sort of fast food for kids like place. Charlie Chalks and used to be it. over here. Yeah, it's. I, I I cannot imagine. Like I think that would have actually geared me so much as a kid. I think that's probably what happened to the filmmakers. Hence why they made this film. Made Willy's Wonderland. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very 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 weird. Um, I mean, it did make me think a lot of. I mean, there's a great short film uh, online. I think it's like a Hulu horror short that was released a few years back. I think it's called "I Need a Hug" or something like that, and that's essentially about like a animatronic at a restaurant um, and a kid. Ooh. And then there's the Banana Splits movie as well. I don't know if you've checked that out yet. No. Um, based on, it's based on like the child's TV show. I think from back in the seventies, but essentially they go to watch like an episode of this thing get filmed and then pretty much Willy's Wonderland happens the animatronics have gone rogue Ooh. and they end up like killing people like after the show because it's it, they find out the the robots find out it's going to be their last show so they're like okay we're just going to kill everyone there <laughs> like the sounds <laughs> Which, of that that's good um yeah i mean i i definitely say if you like willy's wonderland check out banana splits and if you like banana splits check out willy's wonderland i think Sorry. they're nice companion pieces yeah but but back to Cage. I do apologise. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> I'm just pleased that he's taking on these sort of roles. You sort of, mm. you see actors of his ilk and his kind of era, I guess, mm-hmm. going generally one of two ways where they sort of continue doing the big films, but they end up being sidelined into supporting roles they start to play the dad they start to play the granddad they start to play the CIA mm-hmm. boss you know yeah. um, or they try and 
retain their former youth in the straight-to-DVD market um, and just generally fade into obscurity. And I think what Nicolas Mm. Cage has done is he's... People joke about how he he takes on roles because he needs the money, but he's taken on roles because the scripts interest him, I think. Mm -hmm. I think he's Mm -hmm. taking on things because he's genuinely thinking, no, this is different. I can bring something to the table. I mean, there's the the odd one where you can tell he's sort of phoned it in for a a paycheck and you you can't blame the bloke because if he's, you know, getting offered the cashola, Mm. take it. Mm. But then he's obviously, it gives him the chance to do these smaller indie films. Mm. I think it's good that he's leaning into that. Uh, and knowing like that they're the films that people like him for because i mean at the end of the day um like you said obviously there's a few actors out there who have just tried to hang on to what maybe they had in like the 80s 90s or so and it hasn't been the most successful because i i I don't know it's not necessarily what people want to see whereas people want to see nicholas cage go batshit crazy at something yeah um so he he does that and he doesn't seem to mind doing it and i think i think it's admirable to be honest um uh, and yeah i mean i'm sure we'll be talking about plenty of other films in the future that he's decided to get on board with we will um should be fun there's just to update listeners on what he's got coming (laughs) soon uh there's the (laughs) unbearable um weight of massive talent is it um, is this the one where he plays himself but where he, then where he plays himself characters. yeah yeah but then also apparently characters from his previous films in weird flashbacks which sounds fantastic uh, and then there's one called Pig coming out soon where he oh. plays a truffle farmer who <laughs> has to rescue his prize truffle finding pig which okay. I can't tell if is one of his serious roles or whether it's one of his kind of Nicolas Cage going batshit crazy pieces it's hard to tell from that synopsis. I'm sensing Oscar buzz, to be honest, on uh, on Pig. I always would. I um, always sense Oscar buzz. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I think the title makes it seem like it's not serious, but I don't really see how it it couldn't be serious yeah. if, that's, if that's the premise. But, but been, hey-ho. I've been looking at his um, IMDb page, by the way, uh, just looking at his filmography. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see how it uh, changes throughout the years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you sort of get that the first films that he was in uh, back in the early 80s where he wasn't the main character, he was starting to find his way. Uh, yeah. And then it was he started getting into more serious roles um, with the odd comedy thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Raising Arizona, for example, which was a treat. Uh, and then he sort of he wins his Oscar, uh, yeah. and then he, he sort of goes down the route of big '90s action star with The Rock, Con Air, Face Off. Yeah, and then he kind of slips back into dramas again, uh, thrillers mm-hmm. with Snake Eyes and Bringing Out the Dead. Kind of goes back through kind of a, a dramery phase, then. Weirdly, what seems to spark off the the kind of Nicolas Cage's horror renaissance is uh, the Wicker Man. He kind of mm-hmm. then starts picking out the odd horror film here and there, which I think more recently has mm-hmm. has got much more common. So uh, mm. it, it's interesting that all of a sudden Nick Cage is kind of becoming a, a face of modern horror with Mandy and Colour Out of Space. Mm. Mom and dad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it definitely shows that he's very versatile because I don't think you get many people come over from like the action genre, say, into horror uh, and necessarily do it well. Yeah. He's definitely um, not that I can think off. of. Mm. Mm. Plus, I don't know. It, it might only be obviously a phase before he moves on to the next thing. Um, but I do think that he is, you, you can kind of feel like he's enjoying what he's doing. Definitely, um, definitely, and you can kind of see that because I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You can very much see in some of the projects where he's just done it for the money, and it's a cameo, or it's it's. Uh, it, do you know what I mean? As opposed to it being like uh, yeah. a, a character. I mean, I I can't see how he wouldn't have enjoyed making Willy's Wonderland. Oh, he, at all. 
curb stomps a massive gorilla. <laughs> is <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what, what speaking of what we because obviously they had there, there was distinct robots, wasn't there? In, yes. In Willy's Wonderland, so I think you had um, was it was it an ostrich? Ozzy the Ostrich. Ozzy the Ostrich. There was the gorilla, wasn't there? Charlie knows Uh, the names of them all. This is great. I know Ozzy. Oh. (laughs) Me and and Ozzy go way back. Me and Ozzy. (laughs) Me and Ozzy, mate. Me and Ozzy. Um, There was the gorilla who, as you said, gets curb stomped. Was he called Gorilla? Gorilla greetings. I think it was something like that. I can remember there being a crocodile, the fairy, and then there was like the chameleon. The chameleon. Yeah, I didn't like the chameleon. The otter. No, I mean, I liked the chameleon, yes. but I didn't like the chameleon. <laughs> I found that quite sinister. Do you want to know uh, the uh, the names? Please. Of, of the... Yeah, go for it. All right. So, oh, I, I say that I don't actually have the names. I, I, I don't <laughs> no, I do. Um, so, oh, no. Ah, they've been replaced. Here we go. So, it turns out, that the title was changed from Wally's Wonderland to Willy's Wonderland um, because of legal issues. So I didn't realise. As in, like, where's Wally? <laughs> um, no, it, it was something to do with uh, a film uh, called... Oh, no. A pinball table called Devil's Dare or something. Very strange. Okay. Very strange. Okay. But the the characters have changed. Um, so we've got Artie Alligator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tito Turtle. He was the the Mexican turtle. Yes. yes. The Mexican. Yeah. How did we forget How the Mexican forget turtle? Uh, <laughs> Gus Gorilla. Gus Gorilla. Nighty Knight. Was that the fairy? No, he was the knight. There was the knight with the sword. <gasps> oh my! Oh my God! There was loads. Yeah, there was actually loads of characters, wasn't there? Cami Chameleon, Ozzy Ostrich, and uh, Willie himself. Willie the Weasel. Yeah, Willie the Weasel, not the Otter. Otter doesn't no. doesn't scan as well. No, Willie the Otter. <laughs> I'm Willie the Otter. I will also say, again, obviously going into spoiler territory, but linking into kind of what we mentioned before, I do love the fact that. I don't know, a lot of obviously what we've spoken about, like killer machines and whatever, it's been either someone's been controlling them or mm. wiring's got wrong or whatever. But this one, they were like, no, we're going to have a satanic cult, we're going to have serial <laughs> killers, we're going to have possession, we're going to have all of this, just oh. to explain. Yeah. So literally every animatronic was just possessed by a serial killer, which made perfect sense to me. I, th- I thought that was, that was brilliant. Serial <laughs> killer slash slightly... Just weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I say slightly weirdo, just horrendous weirdos. Yeah, yeah I but- think one of our biggest takeaways as well from the film was the fact that his cleaning solution was also incredible. Oh, if you um, can get your hands on any of the solution that Nicolas Cage used, your house will be spotless within minutes. Just don't use and- the same rag on everything. Oh, yeah. well, he, he seemed to use the same rag on everything. Toilet like, bowl. Like after he's been to the bathroom and cleaned all the bathroom out, he doesn't have wiping his face down with the same cloth. <laughs> yeah. Then he wipes down all the tables people are gonna eat off of. You're like, okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's antibacterial, it's fine. It's fine. Totally no, it's, COVID uh, safe. Yeah, I think I, I, we were probably more aware of that because of COVID, you know. Like yeah. watching it, we were probably just like, Oh germs. Oh, that's not sanitary. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a film. Yeah. What an so, absolute film. All in all, the main takeaway from Willy's Wonderland is 100% worth a watch. Yeah, definitely. Particularly on your birthday. Yeah. It's your birthday and you want to have fun. I, I had fun. It was it was wonderful. But yeah, I, I definitely didn't get that jingle out of my head for at least like three days afterwards. It's still there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie comes onto the podcast singing it, and we're like, Charlie. No, no, no. <laughs> You're not that lucky. Mate, not mate. <laughs> so that brings to an end our discussion for this month. Uh, Liam's just got one little thing he'd like to add uh, about Blood Money, which was the film that we released uh, last Halloween. Uh, Liam, you've got a bit of an update for us. Yes, so speaking of evil machines um, and evil companies, um, I, we uploaded uh, Blood Money um, 
back in October last year. And to kind of get ahead of the curve because of all the changes with YouTube, um, I put like a sensor, basically a block on on certain things because of uh, violence, language, that sort of thing on the film. So I thought on the off chance, I'll have a go and see if uh, YouTube reviews it, if they would still approve the film for ads. And it's come back today and basically said it's approved for everything. So if you guys could give the film another view, drop a like, uh, comment on it, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, we are working hard to get new content out there when it's safe to do so. But I think a lot of you guys might have missed Blood Money just because of that kind of faux pas with the uh, with the ad stuff uh, and the algorithm. So give it a watch. It's It's not bad. <laughs> It's considerably dark, okay. isn't it? It's darker than uh, <laughs> than some of the super freak media content, which is yeah. Which is nice. I mean, we've st- still got the supernatural flavour, but we didn't shy away from uh, gore in certain places, and um, I don't know. We we showed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, well, yeah, enjoy, guys. So this month, if you'd like to enter the competition to win some Super Freak Media goodies, all you need to do is give the Instagram post that uh, advertises this episode of the podcast a like over on Instagram, and you'll be entered into a prize draw to win various Super Freak Media goodies, stickers, that sort of thing. Um, It goes without (laughs) saying, massive thank you to my guests this month. We've had on his podcast debut... Charlie Brentnell. Thank you very much. Um, are you going to come back, do you think? <laughs> Absolutely not. This was the first and last time we hear yeah, from Charlie that's ex- Brentnell. That's exactly what we thought. <laughs> I am joking, of course. Yes. <laughs> and I suppose thanks to Liam, who's here quite often. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you can't get rid of me, I'm afraid. Sorry. Bad smell. lingers lingers i've I've thoroughly enjoyed this episode it's been nice uh chatting about killer robots ai and of course nicholas the legend cage um (laughs) as usual keep it creepy and we'll see you all on the other side went for it i I went for it full vocalization there yeah Interesting. Yep. There was definitely notes, there, was, there were notes in it. I don't know what they were, but they were in it. Good. <laughs> L- little, yeah. I, I I didn't know what key I was picking until I got there, but mm. yeah, one that doesn't fit. I think. Oh, hey! <laughs> six laps. Savage. Savage. Oh, I don't know the lyrics. I'm gonna. I'm sure I'll be able to put that in. Like the small clip of it's your birthday. They won't ruin us for that. <laughs> Copyright strike. <laughs> just like, oh, thanks. Is that your robot impression, Liam? That was it. <laughs> yeah. Your video has been declined. <laughs> declined. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So what I'll do, Charlie, is I'll introduce the podcast and then I'll introduce who's going to be on the podcast. So then when I say, you know, Charlie Brentnell's going to be here, if he's your 